Hey y'all, I'm Damon Oates, founder of Deco Exchange. Who else has heard that crafting is just a hobby? I turned my love of crafting into a thriving multi seven-figure company, surrounded myself in an amazing community, and met some amazing business owners along the way. I'm here to show everyone that makers mean business. What is up, you guys? I am here with Nicole Stevenson with Dear Handmade Life. Nicole, why don't you just go ahead and just introduce yourself? Uh, I know for me, no one really introduces me like I do. So let's let's hear let's hear what you got. <laughs> so I'm Nicole Stevenson, and I'm the CEO and Creative Director of Dear Handmade Life, and we produce events, education, and we create a community for creatives and passionate small business owners. And we do that through kind of like, kind of like you, we do events, we do, you know, so we have an online community, we have an in-person community, we have a membership, membership group. So it, it all started with our patchwork show, which is our modern makers festival. So you can think of that as, you know, if anybody's listening, they don't know what that is. It's kind of like Etsy come to life. It's, you know, maker booths and we have food trucks and music and DIY crafting. And it's just a great free event for all the community to come and, you know, support makers, see what's going on with their, the local creatives in their town. So that was how we started. And then we saw that the vendors there were, uh, really needed the education side of things. Like yeah. they were, you know, asking us a ton of questions at the time I had a business partner, you know, that I was doing this with and everybody was asking us, you know, how do I do my pricing or, you yeah, know, that's always a big one. How do I price? this? Yeah. Pricing <laughs> is, is a huge one. Uh, or, you know, branding all kinds of things. And we started seeing that there was a need not only for education for these small business owners, but for them to meet each other. Sure. So then sure. Uh, we started our conference, which is called Craftcation Conference. And it's a five-day conference at the beach in California, in Southern California, where we have over 200 business and craft workshops, everything from, you know, on the business side, you know, profit and loss and legal and, you know, kind of technical things like that to yep. panels on work-life balance and, you know, imposter syndrome and money mindset and all kinds of stuff. And then on the craft side, we have everything from, you know, your basics like crochet, knit, weave, all of painting that stuff to perfume making and stained glass and sure. screen printing. So it's a big variety. And then we have social activities too. So we have parties and stitch and bitches. And I mean, it's just, it, you really can come and choose your own adventure. You know, you can come and do all business, all craft. Some people who come don't even have a business. They just want to sure. kind of have a learning vacation at the yeah, beach and sure. hang out with rad people, you know, sure. that are at the beach. So, so then we started doing craftcation and our newest, we have a blog and a podcast and a shop. And our newest thing is called the Dear Handmade Life, the club. And it's a membership community where every month we bring in a new expert for business class. We have monthly mentorship group coaching sessions, and we have a business boss book club where we read a different book each quarter. And then instead of because I feel like when I, I read a lot of business and self-growth books and when I read yeah. them, you know, you've got your underlining, you're so empowered and excited to put all this stuff into practice. And then you close the book and then that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're really focused on that action and making an action plan. And that's kind of what the club is all about for everything. It's working on the mindset, assessing your business and where it is now coming up with a plan of how you can improve things. And then taking that action and having the accountability yeah. to back up that action, to make sure you're doing it. So that's, that's pretty much the summary, the summary of where everything, where everything is now. Um, yeah. yeah. 
That's really cool. Like I, I have to admit, I didn't know, I had never heard of, of you guys or, or what you do or your business or anything like that. But when, um, you know, one of your team members reached out, I was like, wait a second, she does a lot of really similar stuff to what we've got into. Um, y'all, we do not have a book club. <laughs> we're not, we're not very, uh, we're not very literature, you know, oriented in, in the stuff that we do, but I do know we have a lot of, um, you know, was that West coast, West coast, right? We have mm-hmm. a lot of West coast people that are always talking about, Oh, bring an event over to, you know, our, our communities asking for events over in California. So that's really cool that you have, you know, a, a group of, you know, event, a, a bunch of different events that are going on that could serve that, that need for sure. Um, so that's Nicole. Now, what was Nicole doing before? Or were you always kind of in this, um, you know, this creative realm, were you always doing that kind of thing? I I have always been in the creative realm. I feel like I popped out of the womb with like a glue gun in one hand and a brush in the other. So, um, since I was a kid, I've always been doing something creative, whether it was, you know, turning my hello kitty diary into a place where I wrote short stories, (laughs) you know, was crafting, crafting stories to, um, you know, my, I remember my mom, my mom had a really old car when I was young um, and it would break down all the time. And so like broken down on the side of the road, kind of picking up, you know, discarded car parts, you know, like a little piece of tail light and this and that and gluing them together and making some kind of like weird sculpture pencil holder thing. I mean, sure. it was just making has always been a part of my life. Um, and, you know, something that I I was, I, I don't, for some reason, I was always very attracted to writing and that was where I was going, where I was going. That was my career. Gotcha. I was going to be a writer. I was going to be a college book professor. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was going to be a college professor, college writing professor. And, um, you know, and, and I was going to write, write my books on the side and, but all the while I was always doing visual art, mm. you know, always. And, um, I was in graduate school for writing in my last semester and I was feeling really disillusioned with, I wasn't ready to be a teacher of people who were older than me. I was, I was only 24 and I was getting ready to be, you know, a college professor, you know, the next semester. And it was just, it didn't feel right. And at that same time, I was hanging out with a friend of mine who was in art school and we would just, we were waitresses at this um, restaurant and bar. And after work, we would go to her apartment in the Tenderloin in San Francisco and, sit on the floor and drink beer and make art. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a goal. She was in school. So she, she would say to me, okay, now, okay, look at your painting, close your eyes, now open it. Now, does your eye go all around everywhere or does it, is it stuck in one area? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of how she showed me composition, you know, and like color, she'd say like, what, where's your eye going? You know? So Mm -hmm. I learned about things, you know, sitting on the floor of this apartment, drinking cheap beer, (laughs) but those things still, serve me to this day. Like if I'm decorating my bedroom or putting an outfit together, I close my eyes and open it. Okay. There is balance there. You know, like (laughs) these colors do look good together. So I really, I really enjoyed making that art. And she said, you know, I'm we're having this group art show. I can give you like a little section of space on the wall. If you want to make some more paintings. And I said, sure. (laughs) And I made, you know, 10 paintings and put them up and they all sold. And I was awesome. just like hooked on it. Yeah. I, I just thought this feels good. This feels right for me right now. Like I'm never going to stop writing. Writing's always going to be part of me. It still is. But this, this feels like where I'm being pulled to. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out of grad school like two months before getting my master's degree <laughs> and packed up a U-Haul and 
drove down to LA and she and I, she and I moved in with her sister into this really tiny apartment in Hollywood. We were sleeping in like a, what used to be a dining room. It was like a little 10 by 10 room of this one bedroom apartment on Hollywood Boulevard. And there was like no bed in our room. I slept on a bean bag. Yeah. I mean, it was like really poor times. One of the girls in the house worked at Trader Joe's. So she got a discount. So we would all like pool our money and give her 60 bucks to get like, okay, we can get beans. We can get yeah. chips, you know, like a um, lot of canned tuna fish in those days. And yeah. um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of lived like that for a while. We would go down to Venice beach and I would sell my artwork on the boardwalk. Um, luckily, you know, the other artists there, most of whom were homeless, kind of took my friend and I under their wings because we were the only women down there. And they were like, you need us to like watch out for you. There's, sure. you know, yeah. we don't yeah. want to get taken advantage. So we got really lucky to meet them. And they thought we were like living high, high up, you know, yeah, <laughs> because sure. we had a, we had a, we had a beanbag to sleep on, you right. know? Right. So, um, I, I did that for a little while and then, you know, I, I learned a lot there <laughs> definitely learned about community and you know how these other artists like we should have been their competition coming in sure. there and yeah. they didn't see it like that they saw us as community so I really learned a lot about that then and about giving to your community like a lot of these people that we were with had nothing but if it was a day that some days we didn't have any money if they sold a painting you know if you know Brian one of the guys I'm thinking of there who was homeless if he sold a painting and we were hungry, he would buy a burrito and we would split it three ways. Sure, yeah. You know, it was that yeah. kind of a situation. So um, I'm, I feel like I'm glamorizing it. I don't know if it sounds glamorous sharing a burrito three ways, but it was really hard. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> there were a yeah. lot of tears, a lot of anxiety attacks, yeah. a lot of like, what the hell did I do leaving grad school? But I just knew I just kept pushing because I knew that this was leading me somewhere. Mm -hmm. And eventually, um, I started, I started doing my artwork instead of on paintings on purses and clothing. And I had a clothing line and reps all over the country that were, you know, going out to trade shows and selling, selling my clothing line and, um, got into, I think over 250 stores all over the world. And oh, yeah. that business became, you know, very big. I had a lot of employees and then I, I had an offer from, you know, really big company to buy me out. And part of the offer was that they were going to hire me to basically do what I was already doing, to mm. just do the creative stuff and not have to do the business stuff, which should have sounded like a dream to me. <laughs> and they were going to pay me more than I was being paid by my business. And I didn't jump on it. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? Like, why aren't you jumping at this chance? Like, this is your dream. Yeah. And I realized it wasn't my dream anymore. It was the dream of the me who had started that business, mm -hmm. you know, 10 yeah. years before. So it was my old dream. So yeah. I had to stop and think, what is my dream now? And I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. So I kind of stepped back from my business. That business, I scaled down, got rid of all my reps and went back to how I started, which was selling at craft shows. Mm. And, you know, got out of the studio and just kind of did things much smaller. And I did that for a little while, which felt really good to me at the time. And then I started teaching crafts and I realized that I had created this life for myself where I got to do what I love for a living. Sure. And it was the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Even when it sucked, it was awesome. Yeah. Because we spend most of our waking hours at work. And if you do not like 
what you do for your for your for a living for your job for your career for your profession there's no way that you can be in love with your life yeah so i realized that you know when people were coming to me asking me questions about you know how they could do what i what i did or how they could be more creative mm. that that was that was where i needed to be i needed to be in a place where i was helping other people get that joy that i got <laughs> from being able to turn my passion into my profession so that was what led to, you know, putting on our patchwork show to give these other makers a venue to sell their stuff that was curated by somebody who knew the vendor side of things. Cause I felt like a lot mm-hmm. of those shows, the producers had no idea what vendors needed. Right. So, and then it just evolved, evolved from there. And I, you know, it's been a rocky road for sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think looking looking back every step of the way, even when I was in the midst of the hard stuff. So if anybody listening is in the midst of the hard stuff, Mm -hmm. like if you are sitting on whatever your version is of the boardwalk in Venice beach, you know, sharing a burrito three ways, it is all grist for the mill. You know, you, you have to keep working. You have to keep hustling. You have to keep asking yourself, is this what I want right now? Is this my current idea of success? Is this my parents' idea of success? The old me's idea, society's idea, and just be, be evaluating and analyzing and working towards this is it. This is your only life. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is it. You want to be making, shaping it into what is going to bring you joy. Awesome. Yeah. That, that's super inspirational. You know, I, I had a, a whole bunch of, of questions listed out and you, you answered so many of them in your story. It's, <laughs> it's really such, it really is such an inspirational story. Um, so you, you mentioned a lot of, of internal motivation and, you know, you, you really chased your dream. Did you have any kind of external, like maybe you, you had someone that you looked up to, or maybe you had something that, that kind of just kept you going when maybe you weren't the strongest internally to say, you can do this. You know what I mean? Did you have something that kind of kept you on that path? Yeah. I think that, uh, my parents, <laughs> I'm yeah. really lucky that I have uh, super supportive parents I mean, when I dropped out of graduate school, they were bummed out for sure, Sure, sure. but I was, because they never went to college and it was kind of a big deal in my family to be, to be someone in college, let alone in graduate school. So that was definitely a moment, but when they saw how hard I was working for my business, they, they realized, okay, like she didn't drop out of school to you know, around. Yeah. Yeah, She's, she's working like a dog. I mean, I would be sewing my purses until three o'clock in the morning and then waking up at six to get in the car, to go get a good spot on the boardwalk. You know, it was that kind of a situation and they have been my biggest supporters through throughout everything. And they're both self-employed. So there was never really I never really had an example in my life of what it was like to work for someone else and be happy. It was just pretty much everyone in my family is self-employed. Even aunts and uncles. um, My grandma was a guitar teacher and had a guitar studio. My uncle had his own transmission shop. I mean, so it's a variety. My mom had a house cleaning business. My dad's a barber. So it's a variety of different fields, but the commonality there is that they are all self-employed. They are all running their own, running their own business. So that was always the example to me of, yeah, you can do it. You know, and I saw how, you know, if there was something 
Like I, when I was in high school, I really wanted a pair of Doc Martens. Okay. So first of all, I'm 45. So this was, you know, in the early nineties, I know Doc Martens are probably cool now, but back then they were really cool. <laughs> and it was a big deal because my parents were like, Oh, those are shoes for, you know, bad kids basically wear those shoes. And I was like, no, no, I swear. And so it was my dream to get these Doc Martens. And, um, my dad was driving me to school and instead of take, you know, getting off the exit for school, he kept going on the freeway. And I was like, where are we going? He was, I'm taking you to LA. We're going to go to Melrose and we're going to get you those Doc Martens. And, you know, he was able to do things like that. He had that freedom to, you know, something was wrong. He'd come pick me up. He could do these surprises for me. And that was, I saw self-employment as, as that, as that freedom. And, you know, that's what, that's what I want from what I wanted for my life. And I mean, uh, my, my dad has pep talked me through, (laughs) through so many, so many hard moments. And I also, he's a, he is a person who's very drawn to self self growth too. Mm. So I grew up, you know, he drove me to school every day and it was either conversation or we were listening to, you know, cassette tape of, you know, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins or something like that in the car. So I grew up with all of that, you know, motivational, you know, uh, inspirational, uh, mantra, all of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. was just a, part of a part of my life so that's that's so cool because i'm listening to this story and i i so i'm in i i go to therapy i talk about therapy a lot on the podcast and one of the things i'm dealing with now is i'm living this life now that i had absolutely no idea it could even exist when i was younger right my parents like every everyone i knew had just they worked for someone else so you're talking about a story where you know everyone's self-employed I'm on the complete other foot where, you know, the dream was to go to college and get a great job and get a 401k and have a retirement and, you know, all of these things. And now like I did the same thing, right? I gave all of that stuff away to go chase this other dream. So it's just really cool to, to know that other people had such a different experience and, and obviously have success with it. So that's, that's such a cool point too. Um, I love that you're in therapy and you're so open about talking about that. I feel like, uh, not to be super gender, you know, talking about gender, but I feel like often, you know, male, male identifying people are not as open about therapy and the therapeutic process. So I think that's really cool. I mean, I, if, if you listen to any of the previous episodes, I talk about it at least once an episode, I'm like, you guys really need to check out therapy. Cause it's, it's, it's <laughs> honestly like every time I even interview with someone, I'm like, what's your, they ask, like, what, what do you do? Or what, what's kind of something that you stick to? And I'm like therapy. Honestly, it mm-hmm. makes you better at every single aspect of, of who you want to be, who you're with, you know, every, everything of your life just has, or my life has just improved from therapy. I absolutely I agree. It. I'm a, I'm a therapy fan too. And I've been in therapy, uh, often on pretty much my whole life too. So, and I, I fully agree. And I do go through periods where I, maybe I'm not th- seeing a therapist, but I'm definitely doing therapy work on my own sure. during, sure. during that time, mm-hmm. uh, as well. So. So changing gears a little bit, I, I do have a few questions that I know you probably ask or I'll probably answer a million times in, in your coaching and stuff. But what what is something that is you consider a myth in the creative industry or the industry that you're in with events um, that you want to say, hey, that's not actually true. That's that's different. So what's a myth you want to debunk about the creative industry or, or part of your creative industry? I think um, 
that people think that they'll see a level of success, whether it's however many followers you have on Instagram or you have employees or you have, um, you're doing your business full-time or you've been doing it for a certain number of years and they think that you've got it all figured out and that, you know, everything is kind of dialed in and easy and that you never deal with imposter syndrome or, <laughs> and I, it's just not true. <laughs> sure. So um, not just myself, like, it, and it definitely, you know, sometimes I'll be at our patchwork show and someone will come, come up to me and say like, Oh, uh, I recognized your voice. You're Nicole. And I'm like, Yes. And they're like, can I take a picture with you? And I'm like, are you sure I'm the right Nicole that you're looking <laughs> for? Like, why would you want to take your picture with me? Sure. And it, and so it's from my own self. And then also from, you know, being in this community for two decades and, you know, getting to know so many people who I was, you know, following them on social media or reading their books mm-hmm. And thinking, oh man, this person has it all figured out. And then mm-hmm. you meet them and you realize, oh my gosh, they're even more of a mess than I yeah, am. You're a hot mess too. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just, it's realizing that we're all messes. Sure. You're always sure. going to be a mess. But you know, when you were talking about therapy, but it's that, it's that you're, you're working on it. You're aware, you're aware of it. You're a hot mess that is, you know, being, being worked, being worked on. So yeah, I, I think that for sure. Yeah, that's that's a great one for sure. Um, so a lot of people are probably, um, you know, maybe they've they've just crossed the the beanbag splitting burrito stage. But if if we have listeners that are maybe they're feeling that, what are a couple tips, or maybe let's just say three tips that you would give them right now that maybe you wish you would have heard, maybe you wish you would have thought of, like what what would you say to them right now? Well, uh... other than I brought you a burrito. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been great. (laughs) I think, I think one thing that I wish I would have been educated on about early on is money and finance. Uh, I had very little is an overstatement. I had no financial know-how or education. It was just kind of money comes into my business, money goes out. Is there anything left over? I, I didn't understand any, any of that. Um, And luckily my business always did well enough to where money was always coming in and money was always going out. So I kind of didn't have to pay attention to it at that time. It was just like taxes are due. Here's this, this is due. (laughs) Here's that. But I never, I never really understood. I never invested. I didn't start my own retirement um, until very recently. And when I think back at, you know, at, my first business that I had and how much money it was bringing in and how in the end I had nothing from it. You know, everything that I brought in was spent, you know, when I closed that business, it was just, it was just done. There was nothing left over. And if I would have just taken 10% or even 5% and put that into a high yield savings account, Mm -hmm. you know, or invested it and started my own, uh, you know, uh, IRA account, Mm -hmm that would have been 20 years <laughs> of yeah. that, of that now when I would have a retirement. So I think I was so focused on uh, just like, am I going to make it? Like, am I going to make my rent? Am I going to you know be able to survive that I wasn't really thinking about what it meant to thrive? Sure. You know, I was just so, so focused on the survival 
side of it. And I think so along those same lines, you know, about the surviving and thriving. So there's the money thing and then there's the control thing and the help getting help thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I had that first business, my dad telling me, um, I don't know if, I mean, this is an old, old person's reference, but, uh, there was a car company called Chrysler. I don't even know if it's still around. And the Mm -hmm. owner is this guy called Lee Iacocca. He's like a very famous business person. And my dad would say to me, you know, do you think Lee Iacocca is on the assembly line making the Chryslers? You know, no. And I understood what he was saying, but I couldn't put it into practice until much, much later. It's so tough. It is so tough. It is so tough, but it is absolutely impossible to grow your business unless you do that. It's, you can't be everywhere. And you know what? Maybe you don't want your business to get to that point. Not everybody wants to have a business with employees, you know, you, and that's where it comes in that idea of assessing, you know, we were talking about your idea of success and what that is to you. And maybe your idea of success is having it so that you are doing everything yourself. Maybe you don't need that much money to live the life that you want to live. Mm -hmm. I don't think that everybody, that money is the end all be all, by any means. I mean, some of the times that I had the most money in my life, I was the most miserable. (laughs) So I think it's that idea of hiring help, even if it's just, you know, a VA for five hours a week, even Mm -hmm. if it's just a friend of yours who is, you know, a stay at home parent that, you know, used to be an accountant before, and you're going to, for three hours a week, they're going to do your accounting or yeah, yeah, any, anything that it is, or if, or if you're not ready to, you know, relinquish control of your business quite yet, get help with your house. So you can do more with your business, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you absolutely cannot, you can't do it all. It's impossible. I'm so glad you brought that up. I, we preach that all of the time. And it's always nice to hear from, from someone else. And it's like, yeah, you see, I've been saying this. No one's really listening. No one believes me, but it's true. Yeah. And then, well, when you were saying that you preach this, I just made me think of something else that I preach all the time, which is <laughs> don't put all of your marketing eggs in one basket. I think sure. especially in our creative community, we are in Instagram, drawn to Instagram. And it was funny because when Instagram went down mm-hmm. the, the other, the other recently, uh, somebody DM'd me and said, the second Instagram went down, all I could hear was your voice in my head saying, build your email list, start mm-hmm. your newsletter, focus on your newsletter. Yeah. So that is something I love social media for marketing. It's free. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing's really free because your time and your effort that you put into it is there, but it's, you know, it's an, it's an opportunity for you to, to advertise with a very low, uh, you know, low threshold of entry there. It's not like before, you know, if you needed to like put an ad on the radio or on a billboard billboard, or something. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it has a very low point of entry. So, but you also should be building your email list because that's where you, you own your email list. It's yours. And Instagram owns your, your followers and it's, (laughs) it's their app. And you know, I know we all like to complain about the algorithm, but they're letting us live there rent free. Yeah. So if they, if they want to, you know, change the terms of our, of our lease, it's really up to them. Yeah. All right. I've got one more question then we can, we can make, make the exit out. But um, what, what are some, maybe you have some recent ones, maybe you have some just over the, the time of your business, but what are 
some of the reasons why, you know, chasing this dream, building this business has been worth it to you. Like maybe, maybe it's just a couple, you know, big overarching things. Maybe it's a few different moments that you think back to what, what is this like being the maker, being the business owner? What has that meant? Like, what are some wins from that, that you want to share with us? My whole life is a win. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, I feel like I have, gotten to lead such a rich amazing life (laughs) and when I think back to before I started my business which I was very young then in my early 20s as I started around the time when I was 23 24 and I was you know going to going to grad school and waiting tables and I had some crappy waiting tables job Mm -hmm. where I didn't like my boss I can't imagine having that feeling for the rest of my life You know, like I was able, I was able to walk away from that. And then now, um, you know, I I have a baby, so I am 45 and I have a one and a half year old. So I got started rather late. Um, My husband and I didn't meet until later. So, and he was just able to leave his job and now we're both home. I'm working, he's taking care of my son, our son. And, um, you know, it, it's, it was a year and a half of me trying to work at home and take care of our son while he was working outside. And it was really hard. Sure. And my, I, I, I see now he takes my son to the park every day. You know, we all eat breakfast together and we eat lunch together every day. You know, we are so present in his life. Yeah. That's awesome. my son's life. And that is awesome. It would not be able to happen without that. So in my personal life, that's, that's, my big win. And then, uh, just, it was several years ago, but one of our vendors at our patchwork show said, you know, you were the first show that I ever, that I ever did. I didn't even realize that this was possible. And now, uh, she's had her business for probably 10 years. She is married. Her husband works for her business now. And I see, and, you know, granted, it could have been some other craft show that she did that was mm-hmm. the impetus, but knowing that I'm a part of someone else's Absolutely. journey to, yeah. you know, turn their passion into their profession is, yeah, <laughs> it's, that's it's great. Yeah. That's feeling. so good. That's so good. So tell us what, what do you have planned up? What's coming up? Any big news you want to share? Anything you want to announce? What's going on with you and your business coming soon? Yeah, uh, I'm very excited to announce that after a super long hiatus due to COVID, our Craftcation conference is coming back. It's going to be happening in April 2022 in Ventura, California. Like I said, it's five days of business workshops, craft classes, social events. We have a whole COVID protocol in place that you can find on our website. Our website is dearhandmadelife.com, and you can go check that out there because uh, I'm high risk. My baby's not vaccinated, so there's a lot of careful stuff in place COVID-wise that's going to happen at Craftcation. Plus, it's in it's in a little while, so hopefully things will continue on. Yeah. As of when we're recording this, at least things are look are looking a little bit better than they were a month ago, yeah. and then. I'm also just so excited about our Dear Handmade Life, the club, our membership group. We just, I mean, it just started and I, the response to it has been overwhelming. You know, I set kind of a quiet, a quiet, silent goal for myself on how many members I wanted to get during, you know, our first launch. And my 
my number I had in my head was only a quarter of what we ended up getting. So I am just so happy to see that, you know, we had this idea for this thing and it's what people needed because they're excited about it. So, and we were able to make it very inexpensive. So it's like just over a dollar a day for, you know, there's so many, so many more parts of it that I didn't even mention. So head to our website. If you're listening and you're interested, it's dearhandmadelife.com and you can find details on everything. Awesome. That, I mean, that kind of leads into my next question. Where can people find more about you? Obviously dearhandmadelife.com. Is that the best, the best place to go? You have a beautiful website, by the way, I was checking it out earlier. I know you have the blog, the link to the podcast, all that stuff is there. Thank you so much. So I, I designed it. And then one of our teammates, Katie Mack, uh, she built it. So, and she, it was the first time she ever built a website. So we just, and this was something we did during COVID, you know, when all of our events were postponed, it was like, okay, what are we going to do? Let's rebrand. Let's redo that website. Like, let's get this going. We never have time to do this. So thank you so much. Sure. Yeah. Nicole, thank you for the time. But before we sign off for one more time, I have one last question. And I asked all of the, the interviewers or interviewees, what does being a maker mean to you? That's such a good question. <laughs> being, a, being a maker to me means living creatively in all aspects of my life. So whether it's, you know, I'm looking around in my, I have a little backyard studio that I'm in right now and looking around at, you know, the way things are arranged in here is, you know, things are arranged just so and my house and the way I dress, although right now I'm just wearing a sweatshirt because it's freezing in here, but it just having everything, you know, art, artfully arranged and then getting scrappy with things, you know, like I wanted a painting for my living room, a really big painting. And I, I couldn't afford it at the time. So I was like, I'm going to learn how to make an abstract painting right now. You know, I wanted to, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to make Christmas presents. I didn't have money. Okay. Let me teach myself how to make candles. You know, it's about making in every aspect of your life. I remember one time we were, I was on a walk with my husband and I tripped and cut my leg and it was bleeding everywhere. And I had a sanitary napkin in my purse and I had my camera. So I took my camera strap off, put my sanitary napkin on my knee, wrapped my camera strap around and I made a bandaid, you know? So that's what making is to me. It's, you know, making in all aspects of your life, getting creative in all aspects of your life. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nicole. That was so, that was great. Thank you.